Hi there, and welcome to the very first episode of Make the Shift. I'm Adam Greenberg, CEO of Makeshift and host of this podcast. A lot has happened in the last year. We've seen massive shifts in how we live, what we value, how we work, and where we want to work. We've reflected on our priorities and have reevaluated not only what we want out of our jobs, but also our lives. We're building a better, more agile, more equitable, more empathetic, and hopefully a more just society. A society that puts people first. But as a business leader, how do you adapt to this monumental shift? How do you build organizations and cultures that create happier employees? Because happier employees drive growth, not just within their companies, but also in society and the world we live in. Even before the pandemic, digital transformation was top of mind for a lot of executives. COVID-19 accelerated that journey. We've seen retail, consumer products, hospitality, particularly in food and beverage, have to quickly transform their business models. We've seen massive investments and disruption in health and telemedicine in the business-to-business -business industries. Companies had to change how they sell overnight, and we saw the emergence of new tools, such as Zoom and Teams, as we found new ways to connect with each other. Yet there's still so much more to do. According to a recent study from McKinsey, 79% of businesses are still in the early stages of their digital transformation. And so it's clear, the changes have only just begun. We're also waking up to the injustices in our society and developing a new social conscience, one that understands the need for diversity and inclusion, that champions those who have historically not had opportunities and creates workplaces that are not only open and welcoming to all, but strive to do more, to build a greener, more sustainable future. Now, I know these are monumental challenges. There's a lot to unpack and even more to consider, but I'm confident we can do it together. And this is why I launched this podcast, so that we can take this journey together, find answers, learn from each other, and most importantly, grow together. And that journey starts today as we discuss the shift to the hybrid workplace with our very first guest, the Senior Vice President and Head of Success Factors North America, Angelique Slagle. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's go. Hi, Angelique. Welcome to Make the Shift. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and to be your first guest. Oh, it's great. Um, really appreciate you joining us today. I, I just want to first recognize that you have a very big job at SAP, incredibly demanding. I know you're busy and that a lot of people rely on your leadership. So thank you again for sharing some of your time with me and with all of our listeners today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's an important topic. For sure. So before we dive in and talk shop, I'd like to just take my listeners behind the scenes to learn more about you as a person. 
You're originally from New Jersey, but traded in the city life for farm life and now reside <laughs> in Western North Carolina region with your husband, Carl, and your, and your four kids. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And it's it's interesting. You know, I think growing up, I've always been a Jersey girl. So if you had told me later in life that I would live in Western North Carolina uh, and be uh, a part time farmer, uh, I would never have believed it. But I met a country farm guy and uh, the, the rest is history. And, and I love every part of it. That's that's incredible. Is that really, was it Was it uh, meeting your, your husband that brought you to make that change or was there more to it? Uh, I think it was really more to it and I won't take you down a long story, but um, after, uh, after my uh, first marriage ended, I was kind of at this point where I was like, okay, what does my future look like? And I really felt like there was all the possibility in the world. And I remember going to my sister and saying to her, let's buy a farm. And I didn't think we would live there full time, but I said, you know, let's buy it and and um, go there, you know, on the weekends. And she was like, you're absolutely crazy. No, we are not doing that. Um, and I still looked, I would look at farms and, and I would research it. I started to go to like farmer school, um, listen to podcasts on farming. And then two years later, I met my husband, dated him for maybe 30 days before he revealed to me that he grew up on a farm um, wow. and that his family still lived there and that his dream was to move back to the farm. And so it just seemed like uh, everything worked out uh, from that original dream. I, I love it. I love it. I think that's uh, that's great. Um, I can smell the clean air and, and feel yes. the <laughs> sure. Let's just talk a little bit about your journey to SAP now where you joined in 2011, bringing over 20 years of experience in the software as a service space from startups to large companies like SAP. What can you tell us about the path that led you to SAP? Well, it's interesting. Um, right before I came to SAP, I worked at Microsoft, and I think Microsoft is a phenomenal company. But I had started my career in IBM and on the GBS side, right, um, the business consulting side. Mm -hmm. And so where I felt most comfortable was talking to customers about business outcomes and not so much technology. And so while I had a good career at Microsoft, it just wasn't where my heart was because I was not uh, a deep technologist. Um, and so where I was really interested in is talking to customers and how does business applications actually support the way they run their business. And there's no greater company than SAP um, to be able to do that with a variety of customers. And that's what I've loved so much about it is that you know one day I could be talking to Delta Airlines, another day I could be talking to Kindred Healthcare, another day a utility. It's just so dynamic and we're always finding new ways to help our customers. I, I couldn't agree more, especially about the business outcomes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as we as we move along. As, and I'm also going to share a personal story about SAP uh, as well. But, but congratulations on that journey. Um, uh, I know many people who know you, they adore you, and I, I can see why. So, so thank you for sharing that. You, yeah, you thank you. Yeah, no, you're you're very welcome, and thanks again. You, you also serve on the board of of SAP's Black Employee Network uh, and uh, the North American Emerging 
Emerging Talent Advisory Board, which I understand serves to give a platform to early talent across SAP in order to enact change across the business. What's that experience been like? It's been so such a great experience. And, and one of the reasons, Adam, that I really loved it is one, it's exposed me to individuals in the business that I wouldn't get to work with every day that might be supporting other areas of our business that I'm not as close to. But then what I've also realized is, you know, the, the range in talent, and these could be individuals that are two years um, out of school to maybe they are six years into their career. And just the, the energy and the fresh ideas that they have. I mean, I constantly learn from every one of them. I know they enjoy being part of the board because they get a chance to give their thoughts and ideas to senior leadership, but I think we actually get so much more out of it than, than they do. Um, one, it's you know because they're so in touch with technology and a more digital way of interacting with people, um, they're always challenging that. Um, and then they're not weighed down with some of the, you know, legacy that we might have had and to say why a certain path can't happen. So I have really, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, continue those relationships even once the cohort has ended, which has been also very valuable to me and recruited a couple of them to come over to my team. So uh, it's been great. Well, that, that's great. And I find as well, and I, and I agree, first of all, strongly, how brave and courageous that, that generation is. Um, they're, they're not afraid to, to engage with the CEO or any other executive. And I remember, you know, early in my career, I was almost intimidated by that, that level of executive. So it's, it's, it's great because that's what we need. We need to have real yes. conversations and move things forward. So, yeah, you know, and speak to your executive, right? So here we are. You're the head of SAP Success Factors uh, here in North America. What gets you up and going in the morning? Like what, what keeps you and, and kept you motivated through the pandemic to do your job? Well, knowing that I had a team um, of over 500 people that support North America or directly part of my team that needed me. Um, you know, and that I could inspire to keep going and, and see the vision um, or the light at the end of the tunnel. That's always been a very motivating factor for me when I can identify a problem or a challenge, rise to the occasion, but also bring other people along and that people at the end of the day will be like, I, you know, I have grown from this experience. I thought it was terrible. Maybe parts of it was, but we've actually been able to um, you know, to uh, to benefit from it. You know, we've had within success factors people who fell ill um, to to COVID. Family members died um, from the pandemic. And what's been most heartwarming is the connections and personal relationships that I've developed with those individuals and their families. And knowing that they were able to kind of get through some of that dark period with the support of our team. Um, so that's been really um, heartwarming for me in a, in a situation that was, you know, uh, not ideal. For, for sure. I mean, these are real, real people experiences. And we always have talked about work-life balance. I've always said it, it's one and the same work and life 
I mean, we, we are people at work and we have lives. And so thank you for, for sharing that. Um, let, let, let's switch tracks and, and talk about outcomes again. You mentioned outcomes earlier. I, I want to go back to that because you're a sales leader and a senior executive for one of the world's largest, most well-known software. And I know that your job is very measurable and very outcome focused. So let's tackle our topic today by starting there. What are the outcomes that measure your professional success? You know, it's interesting to me um, about outcomes because being part of a cloud software company, um, the evolution of those desired outcomes, it started out as, you know, maybe revenue was king, then it was retention. Um, and now what I really believe is it's the value within that retention, right? So whether or not our customers are consuming and adopting our solutions, how mission critical are we to their business? And so as a leader, you know, you're only one person um, and you're only as good as the team around you. So what I'm always thinking about is success to me is when I create a team that people want to be a part of, uh, when we are able to meet our customers where they are in particular, like the pandemic, and be able to articulate and provide value back to their businesses. Um, you know, when we create real impact and we've been able to see that over the last year and a half, we've helped healthcare companies redeploy uh, non-critical function talent um, to roles that were on the front lines to actually help uh, in the pandemic. We've been able to support our customers and continue on hiring challenges. We know we're right in the midst of one of our largest labor shortages in North America. Um, ensuring that we have pay equity, uh, which is a topic near and dear to my heart, uh, regardless of the demographic. Um, that's all success when we know that our solutions are doing that. And then when my team is able to say they've grown personally and professionally, and when underrepresented uh, groups have a voice like participating in our Black Employee Network and being able to drive real diversity of thought and how we work, then I feel I've been successful. That's, that's beautiful. And so with that in mind, like how will this this shift to a hybrid workforce impact those outcomes? Well, it's so important that we will need to rely on data and segmentation even more. You know, when I talk about meeting customers or your employees where they are, um, you know, that means seeing people as their whole self. Right, they're not only their demographics, but the intersectionality of those factors, and then combine that with what their role might be, their tenure, their future career path, um, and it's going to become even more important in this hybrid workforce because location necessarily isn't the barrier to entry anymore. Employees have a lot of flexibility and choices on where they work uh, beyond what used to be. I needed to be in a certain mile radius. Uh, from my home, my family, and as long as it had that and decent pay, I, you know, I was willing to work at that company. Do you think it'll 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 help for tenure? I actually think it will be a big uh, a big help. In fact, you know, um, 
I'm a, I'm a big po podcast listener anyway, so I, I look forward to all the future makeshift uh, episodes. I will be subscribing for sure. But I actually uh, listened to a Pivot podcast, um, and it was actually talking about the first time in, and I think it's global history, but for sure within the United States, that the workers are actually in control here, right? Um, and so I think because people and individuals, and you kind of highlighted it in the beginning of your intro of, you know, how much people and the way people feel about everything from environment to social uh, issues to, to pay equity. Since they're in control, that is going to drive this to positive disruption in my mind. And again, I, I completely agree with you personally and professionally. Um, so it's great to have that that alignment. We, we talk about the challenges uh, associated with this, but what about the opportunities? What opportunities do you see related to businesses making the shift to giving employees more control, to giving employees the option to work from home or part-time in the office or full-time for that matter? Well, you know, I think every challenge is an opportunity. And so, you know, the first thing that companies will need to think about is the cost versus the benefits that they provide to their employees, right? Pay and other fringe benefits. I think the second opportunity to address a challenge will be how do we measure productivity? Um, you know, there was this traditional mindset and, and we had it in parts of SAP that your productivity was measured by you being in a cubicle from nine to five. And it's such an antiquated way of looking at productivity. So that will be an opportunity to, to change the way we see and measure productivity. But then also, I think the way we collaborate with one another, I mean, we've just started scratching the surface in my mind um, with Zooms, Teams, Slack, these other solutions. And I, I, I look forward to kind of seeing the innovation that will come out of it. Um, a a, th a stat statistic that I saw is that, you know, there is more than um, $10 billion that has been pumped into the startup market just in since the pandemic started. So more and more individuals, and I even see that from our SAPIO, which is kind of our incubation for, for startups, that more individuals are looking like, how can I disrupt or change business practices and processes? How can I bring new technology to address this hybrid uh, work model that we will go to in the future? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even at Makeshift, we're, we're making the shift, no pun intended, uh, to a hybrid work environment. It's giving us access to talent we never had access to before. Uh, I think the happiness uh, is increasing uh, with, with flexibility because flexibility makes people happier and, and happier people drive growth. I mean, right. and, and that's, that's where I work today. Um, but as you know, uh, I used to work for SAP. And I'm not just saying this to you, but I, I love SAP and everything SAP stands for. In fact, it was my time with SAP that really helped me transform personally uh, and find my own purpose at work. So SAP's mission, as you know, uh, but for our listeners, SAP's mission is to improve lives and to make the world run better. 
And, and I can't think of a better reason to go to work every day. I know SAP recently announced a hybrid work policy. And I know that our listeners, me included, have some questions about this. So first, do you really think that this will help SAP and its customers to improve lives and make the world run better? Well, I think engaged, happy employees lead to happy and engaged customers. It's a fact, full stop. That's probably the best answer I could give to that question, right? It's Mm -hmm. just the right thing um, to do. And I also think our our flex work allows SAP to, in a more programmatic way, lead with empathy, right? It's, you know, we had some organizations like mine, sales and customer success. We've been in a flex model for some time because we used to travel all the time. So being in an office was not always conducive. But when you think about leading with empathy, um, now because of the pandemic and now with this new FlexWork model, it's really shown how do we show up for our customers better, right? Um, we used to think that if a customer said, I need you to come out for a one hour meeting to California, and let's say you were in New York City uh, or to the East Coast, you would take that track, right? Um, and that's a hard endeavor. Physically, mentally, um, you lose a lot of time with your family. Um, and so I think this flex work policy is allowing us to rethink that type of behavior, allow people to have more time with their families, uh, more time to show up with customers refreshed, happy, not begrud- begrudgingly, you know, going across the country. Um, and so I am a really big fan of the the flex work policy i don't i don't disagree with with that at all and 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 with that goal in mind what else you know what else is sap doing to support its its employees and its customers employees as they make the shift in their own lives well, I think with FlexWork, the message is clear on how SAP is supporting our team, uh, our people, right? We want uh, we want refreshed, happy, engaged employees. Um, we also want them to feel like they can thrive, not only survive, but actually thrive in this work environment. Within our customers, you know, we're really telling our own story of what we've experienced and how we've improved our own employee experience. Um, you know, within success factors, we're big believers of drinking our own champagne. So we like to talk about how a lot of our HR functions can be performed remotely or automatically without necessarily that in-office presence. And I want to say that collaborating in the office is and having that interpersonal connection with people physically is something that's really valuable and I'm I'm not at all suggesting people should replace that. Um, But there are less value add functions that we leverage within our ourselves within SAP success factors and we're really talking to our customers about that right you can provide an offer uh, to a new employee directly from your mobile device I was on vacation last week and the alert came up to that for me to approve the offer and I didn't have to get on the phone with anybody I could just literally look on it from my device that same 
uh, individual will be onboarded and get everything they need, even pairing them with a mentor or a buddy, all from a mobile device and not needing to actually log in or go into the office. So we're going to be able to help companies be more efficient and build a stronger experience for their people. And that's the number one topic. You know, when I'm talking to CHROs, they always will ask me, what are you guys doing in SAP? So they want to know how we, a hundred thousand empl employee company plus employee company, um, are uh, walking the walk. Uh, again, I I don't disagree at all. In fact, I, I love it. Um, and and the catalyst behind all of this, although we talked about uh, digital transformation, it's been on people's mind a long time. But the real catalyst behind all of this virtual work was was COVID-19. I mean, that's the event that really forced all of us and all businesses to look at how and and why we work the way we do. It was it was COVID that 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 shone a light on our work habits and that made us realize that we could work differently. And some might even say work smarter. Mm -hmm. But not everyone has benefited equally. Uh, there's a lot of studies that say that that there's groups there that are going to have a hard time with this. And in fact, may be disadvantaged. Many thought leaders uh, at leading uh, analyst firms and, 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 and beyond are claiming that women, for example, have been disproportionately and negatively impacted by COVID and that working from home may even exacerbate this problem unintentionally. As a woman in tech, a woman in tech and a leader in our business community, can you share your own experience with this and, and, and any advice that you have or, or that SAP may be sharing with its employees and, and its customers to just to help ensure that this and we know this critical workforce demographic is is supported as, as businesses are opening up again? Absolutely. Well, first, I'm a mother of four. Um, two of my children are adults. The other two are teenagers. So I, I have a. Uh, a set of challenges. <laughs> One, I'm always broke, um, but uh, that's a, that's for another uh, session. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know, my heart really does go out to the mothers and fathers during the pandemic, and and especially ones. I mean, all ages, but but especially um, of younger children. You know, I personally found homeschooling two teenagers to be an absolute nightmare. Right? It was just brutal right yeah. um and you know but then there are some really really positive upsides at least you know personally for me um one of them was it was the first time in my children's life uh one seventeen, one thirteen, that i was home with them every single night you know to be a person that previously had been on the road three to four times uh, a week you know it was really um I think a great uh, experience to get even closer to my children, you know, and my husband. I also was able to really prioritize my health. Like I think a lot of people have to do more activities outside to really schedule in exercise. Um, and it's become because you've been able to do that for a year. Now it's it's a habit. There's this mental muscle that in the morning, that's what I go and do. And previously that was really uh, a challenge for me and it never really prioritized me. And then what I've also loved within SAP and our team is that we made that, like you mentioned, that work and life completely meld together. So there, there was just never a point where anyone had any weirdness about children, 
interrupting a call or even sitting in and participating. We had individuals that had new children and babies and, you know, they need you at certain times and, and they would be included. Um, and so we had virtual game nights. We had an expert come and speak about how do you manage teaching and working and not be so hard on yourself. During Christmas, we did story time and a gingerbread contest. So I love that part. And I really hope that that work-life mesh continues and we don't lose that part. But as you mentioned, you know, everyone isn't maybe as fortunate to have a set of circumstances like maybe that I experienced. And so, you know, when I think through just my overall career as a female, and then most importantly, as we move to this, uh, you know, uh, hybrid work model is that, you know, you need a good support system internally and externally, and you need to ask for help. You, you want to be able to share with people the concerns you have, get the advice from them. You know, I have relied on many, uh, you know, female executives and just peers throughout my career to just share. Here's what I'm, you know, struggling with. In fact, I was just talking to one of my um one of the RVPs in my team and she and I were talking about back to school is a very stressful time, right? As you start to kind of get reorganized, get them out of the functions of the things they were doing in the summer, ensure that they get to and from, they have all the supplies they need. And it was just good for us to vent, right? And just kind of talk through that. So you want to make sure you do that. I remember at one point in my career, I was, every time I was traveling, I was doing spending my entire weekend, so my Saturday and Sunday meal prepping, every meal for my family from breakfast to dinner for the for the time I was going to be away. And I mean, I was killing myself and yeah. the children were under 10. Um, and she said, it's great. Um, but she said, is that the most important thing for you? Like, do you want your kids just to eat? Or is it what they eat? Mm. And she didn't tell me what to do. Um, and she didn't, of course, say, this is what I do. But it made me think about what is important. And so that's something I would say to the female demographic, right, is think about what is important and ensure that you're aligned in a company and a support system that understands what are important to you and, and helps support you, right? At, let your direct manager know. Um, so that they can help, they can feel part of the solution um, and they can help you make, make it work. Um, and then the last thing I would say is outsource, outsource, outsource. You know, um, I outsource a lot of tasks um, and, you know, I'm fortunate that in this point of my life, I have the means to do that. But even 10, 15 years ago, if it was just something small that I could give to someone else, uh, even if it's my children and my husband, I would do that. And I would strongly recommend um, that, that women do that. Uh, first of all, I'm impressed. You're incredibly organized uh, to have this menu planned out and, and, and all this. Whether it's the best use of time. I live by list, Adam. I live by list. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Uh, but I, and I love the advice to anybody: outsource, outsource, outsource. I mean, and focus on on outcomes. What do you want to do? What do you want your time to be? To be? What's the outcome of spending that time? So I think that's that's great advice. Uh, and thank you for sharing it. And I think you talked a lot about as well, like the the virtual classes and 
connecting virtually in tech. And I think tech will continue to play a, a critical role. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, SAP uh, success factors gives employees more actionable insights um, uh, into, into their, their colleagues. Uh, their, it gives employers more actionable insights into their employees, allows people to collaborate uh, easier. And, and, you know, you have a world-class uh, human capital management or human experience uh, management app that helps organizations to recruit, develop, reward, uh, and support its talent. And, and, and that's important. And I, and I do think tech will, will continue to play a, a role as, as, a, as a person and as a tech CEO. Um, and, and at Makeshift, I mean, we provide a, a people-first and pain-free employee scheduling app so that employees can determine when and where they're available to work to streamline and simplify the entire scheduling process. Maybe SAP should check it out. <laughs> I didn't say that, but um, soon the tech will be available in the SAP App Center for your customers. We'll be fully integrated with success factors. I personally find that very exciting. Do you see technology continuing to play an important role in, in helping us all stay connected, or do you fear or, or, or feel that maybe technology will have the opposite impact, making remote work easier and therefore staying personally connected? You know, first, I want to say I am personally excited about our partnership with Makeshift. Um, I think we're going to do great things together. I have a, I have already in my mind several customers that I know would, would love to, to leverage the, the application. You know, I, I love technology, and I believe technology really improves people's lives, um, you know, used in the right way. And so I think it will play a better role in helping us stay all, you know, stay connected. And and to me, no matter how advanced technology is, it's never going to replace that human connection or build meaningful relationships for individuals. How they start those relationships and do that, yes, looks differently than it did maybe 20 years ago, uh, but it won't replace that um, that actual human connection. So I always look at technology drives efficiency and scale, but it never can replace the human interaction. Yeah, I'll totally agree again. I, I mean, I even remember, I, I have stories of being on a beach with my phone and people saying, hey man, like get off your phone. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not at the office. Like this is giving me freedom. Right. <laughs> it's not, right? It's it's not it's, taking it, it's yeah, it's not taking anything away from you. It's making it better for you that you can be yeah, anywhere. For, for sure. So I, I think we're wrapping up here soon. You've been very generous with your time. I do have a couple more questions if you don't mind. At the beginning of the episode, we we promised our listeners that they would leave this this podcast with valuable insights to help them become a people first business and to start creating their own post-pandemic hybrid workforce plan. Do you have any other advice that you'd like to share or final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yes, you know, I think lead with empathy. So know your your employees want to be heard, seen, and valued. And really, the only way you can do that is to start with the data. You first need good operational data, then you need sentiment data. Don't roll out workforce plans. Know that without kind of hearing from all your employees, not just a sampling. And also know that that's iterative. You know, getting feedback and knowing how to help employees feel seen 
is a constant journey. Um, and also make sure that their value and contribution is, you know, constantly be articulated back to them regardless of where they work. You know, determine how you're going to measure productivity um, and make sure that it does not leave a certain demographic behind inadvertently. That's, that's very sound advice. Uh, thank you again so much for your, for your time and, and for your insights. It's been a sincere pleasure getting to know you better and, and, and hearing from you personally, and I, and I hope we can do it again soon. I know that you listen to other podcasts. You've got your own show. You're very, very engaged out there. Is there anything that you want to plug in, in just as we wrap up here? Anything at all? Well, if you follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter, you can listen to our first episode of Unexperienced Filtered, Unfiltered, uh, where we're just talking to different individuals about their experiences, whether in the workforce or personally, um, and how experiences matter. Um, thank you so much for having me, Adam. I love the conversation. It's such an important topic. I look forward to the future episodes of Makeshift. Um, it's going to be great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So that brings us to the end of our, our very first podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and will join me on this journey as we make the shift together. We have some great episodes lined up for this season on topics like corporate social transformation, building cultures of purpose, the contingent labor force, diversity in the workplace, and the three F's of scheduling. You'll have to tune in to find out what those are. So make sure you visit podcast.makeshift.ca and subscribe because you're not going to want to miss what's coming. You can also look for at Makeshift app and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to join me on my show or share your feedback with me, feel free to drop me a line anytime directly at agreenberg at makeshift.ca. As Angelique said, if you'd like to connect with her, you can find her on LinkedIn or follow her on Twitter at Angelique Manley. All of our links are in our show notes. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Adam Greenberg. We'll see you next time on Make the Shift.